Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. All participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask your question during the session, you'll need to press star than one on your telephone keypad. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today. Adam Borgatti, please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Ian. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for participating in our third quarter 2020 results conference call. This is Adam Borgatti, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development and Investor Relations speaking, presenting to you this morning are Jean-Louis Servrance, President and CEO, and David Smales, Executive Vice President and CFO. Our earnings announcement was released yesterday evening, and we have posted a slide presentation on the investing section of our website, which we will refer to during this call. Following our comments, we will be glad to take questions from analysts. As noted on slide two of the presentation, listeners are reminded that the information we are sharing with you today includes forward-looking statements. These statements are based on assumptions that are subject to significant risks and uncertainties. Although ACON believes that the expectations reflected in these statements are reasonable, we can give no assurance that these expectations will prove to be correct. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Dave. Thanks, Adam, and good morning, everyone. I'll touch briefly on ACON's consolidated results, review results by segment, and then address ACON's financial position before turning the call over to Jean-Louis. Turning to slide three, disruption to ACON's operations as a result of COVID-19 continued to impact results in the third quarter, muting what would otherwise have been a strong quarter of revenue growth. Overall, revenue for the three months ended September 30, 2020 of $1 billion was $14 million or 1% higher compared to the same period last year. Adjusted EBITDA in the third quarter of $137 million, a margin of 13.2%, increased by $46 million or 51% compared to adjusted EBITDA of $91 million, a margin of 8.9% in Q3 last year and operating profit of $107 million was $48 million higher than Q3 last year. Diluted earnings per share of $0.99 cents in the quarter compared to diluted earnings per share of $0.60 cents in the same period last year. ACON's results included a net positive impact to adjusted EBITDA and operating profit from the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, or SUS program, of $69 million in the third quarter which reflected the net benefit from the program for the period from March 15 to September 26, 2020. This subsidy offset the impacts of COVID-19 on ACON's business since March 2020, while assisting ACON to maintain normal employment levels through this period. Management estimates that the impact of COVID-19 on ACON's business was a reduction in revenue, operating profit, and adjusted EBITDA of $141 million 29 million and 31 million respectively in the three month period ended September 30 and 309 million, 57 million and 68 million 
respectively, in the nine months year to date. Reported backlog of $6.7 billion compared to backlog of $6.6 billion a year ago. Now looking at results by segment, turning to slide four, construction revenue of $1 billion in the third quarter was 34 million or 3% higher than the same period last year. Revenue was higher in industrial operations, primarily due to increased activity on mainline pipeline projects in Western Canada and in civil operations and urban transportation systems, driven by increases in major projects and road building operations in both Eastern and Western Canada. Revenue is also higher in utilities due in large part to the acquisition of voltage power in February 2020. Partially offsetting these increases was lower revenue from nuclear operations, driven primarily by a decrease in work at the Darlington Nuclear Facility in Ontario, as work on the next unit of the main reactor refurbishment was delayed due to COVID-19. Adjusted EBITDA in the construction segment of $131 million, a margin of 12.7%, increased by $58 million compared to $73 million, a margin of 7.3% in Q3 2019. The construction segment included the net positive impact of $69 million in the third quarter from the SUS program, covering the period from March 15 to September 26. After excluding this amount, adjusted EBITDA in the third quarter decreased by $11 million compared to the same period in 2019 due to lower gross profit margin in civil operations and urban transportation systems and from a volume-driven decrease in nuclear work. This was partially offset by higher operating profit in industrial operations, primarily from increased volume, and in utilities driven by higher volume and gross profit margin in the current quarter. New contract awards of $439 million in the third quarter of 2020 were $359 million lower than the same period last year, driven primarily by lower awards in industrial, nuclear and utilities. Construction backlog at the end of the quarter was $6.6 billion, $89 million higher than at the same time in 2019. Turning to slide five, Concessions revenue for the third quarter was $9 million, a decrease of $52 million, or 85%, compared to the same period last year. Upon reopening of the Bermuda International Airport on July 1st, following COVID-19-related closure in March, commercial flight operations have been at significantly reduced volume compared to the prior year due to the pandemic. Adjusted EBITDA in the concession segment of $8 million was $17 million lower compared to the same period last year due to the COVID-19 impact on Bermuda Airport operations. Turning to slide six, ACON's financial position, liquidity and capital resources remain strong and are expected to be sufficient to finance operations and working capital requirements for the foreseeable future. Is it September 30, 2020? ACON had $56 million of cash on hand, excluding cash in joint operations and restricted cash, and a committed revolving credit facility of $600 million, of which nothing was drawn and $7 million was utilised for letters of credit. 
when combined with an additional $700 million performance security guarantee facility to support letters of credit provided by EDC, ACON's committed credit facilities for working capital and letter of credit requirements total $1.3 billion. ACON has no debt or working capital credit facility maturities until the second half of 2023, except equipment loans and leases in the normal course. At this point, I'll turn the call over to Jean-Louis. Thank you, Dave. Turning to slide seven, despite the impact of COVID-19 on ACON's third quarter results, our ability to respond with agility to these challenging times to deliver our services effectively while ensuring the health and safety of our dedicated employees demonstrates the resilience of our business. We remain confident that ACON's balanced and diversified portfolio, strong financial position and safety first culture will be of great benefit as we continue to navigate evolving market conditions. Specifically, the construction segment is aligned to the significant infrastructure investment commitments by all levels of government across Canada, as well as by the private sector and the concessions segment is pursuing a number of large-scale infrastructure projects that require private finance solutions, as well as participating as a concessionaire on the five P3 projects identified on this slide. Turning to slide eight, the current backlog and level of new awards year to date have remained strong with a backlog of $6.7 billion at the end of the third quarter of 2020, which was $107 million higher than the same time last year. The company expects that demand for its services will remain strong following the COVID-19 pandemic as the federal government and provincial governments across Canada have identified investment in infrastructure as a key source of economic stimulus as part of the recovery plan. Trailing 12-month recurring revenue was down 15% compared to last year, primarily as a result of the suspension of commercial flight operation on March 20, 2020 at the Bermuda International Airport, followed by a lower volume of commercial flights compared to the prior year after reopening of the airport on July 1st, 2020, due to the pandemic. As noted on slide nine, in the third quarter, ACON released its first sustainability report entitled, Building the Infrastructure of a Better Tomorrow. This report highlights the progress initiatives and commitments of ACON's environmental, social and government, or ESG, processes and strategies. This report also demonstrates ACON's evolving initiative to embed sustainability in our operations and relationship with our clients, communities, investors and all stakeholders. The infrastructure ACON built is critical in enabling society to adapt to a changing climate by transitioning to a lower carbon circular economy. Moving forward, ACON will look to continuously improve in establishing and measuring key metrics, setting meaningful goals and targets, and leading the industry in sustainable infrastructure construction and development. 
We invite all of you to review the report on our website and welcome your comments and feedback. Turning to our outlook on slide 10, ACON's operations continue to be impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, either by client decisions related to schedules or operating policy, or due to broader government directives to modify work practices to meet relevant health and safety standards. In particular, during the fourth quarter, nuclear operations are expected to only be in the ramp-up phase rather than full run rates for the next stage of work on a number of projects that were originally scheduled to start earlier in the year, but were delayed due to COVID-19. In the concession segment, commercial operations at the Bermuda International Airport continue to recover slowly due to COVID-19 related travel restrictions, which have significantly impacted the whole aviation industry. The new airport terminal is expected to be open for operations on December 9, 2020, which will mark a significant milestone for ACON. ACON continues to monitor development and mitigate risks related to the COVID-19 pandemic and the impact on ACON's projects, operations, supply chain, and most importantly, the health and safety of its employees. As this situation may continue to evolve for some time, shifting directives and policies from clients and government are expected to continue. The overall outlook for 2020 remains solid, and 2021 is expected to be a strong year as construction continues on a number of projects that have ramped up in 2019 and 2020. The strong level of new awards in 2020 and the strong demand environment for ACON services, all subject to the unknown impact of COVID-19 going forward. In closing, I want to personally thank all of our ACON employees, in particular our frontline workers for the dedication, strong commitment and professionalism during this challenging time. Thank you. Be all safe, and we will now turn the call over to analysts for questions. At this time, if you'd like to ask a question over the phone lines, please press star, then one on your telephone keypad. We'll now pause for a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Erie Link of Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Um, just, it sounds like the, the number of delays you've encountered um, since your last update back in August has, has intensified a little bit because of, of COVID. Uh, is that a fair characterization? And, and can you put any more meat on the bone in terms of exactly what you're seeing on the ground? Yeah, hi, Yuri. Um, I wouldn't say uh, intensified. I mean, the ones that we uh, flagged uh, coming into Q3 are the ones that we experience so uh, we knew for example that site c was going to be in a ramp up phase um, as we got back to work on that site um, we knew nuclear was going to be uh, suspended through q3 and just starting to get into ramp up again um, at the end of the quarter and, and through q4 um, you know they're obviously the two major projects there's there's lots of smaller projects that have impacts, you know, uh, 
but nothing outside of what we were expecting. I think it, it pretty much played out the way we thought. Back in Q2, we had a number of other projects uh, that were impacted, uh, for example, REM and things like that. So it, a, bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag, but, but nothing really that we weren't expecting. Maybe, uh, maybe Yuri, I can add a, a few words about COVID impact if you want. Sure. Um, yeah. Because it's it's uh, it, it's complex, but I think it's rather interesting. I mean, uh, from the beginning of this pandemic, let's say March 15th. I mean, uh, uh, among all our employees, 15 employees only from Acon tested positive. Um, when some of our employees test positive, we immediately self-isolate uh, through a tracing program, the ones that could have been in contact with them. Uh, in October, for example, we have self-isolated 150 people. Uh, what is extremely, I mean, what is, what is important is that as of today, none of those 150 people that have been isolated is positive. It just means that with all the measures we have taken at ACON, uh, stringent uh, social distancing, wearing of masks, uh, washing hands, not sharing tools, not sharing containers for lunch or pause. I mean, if you follow those rules with discipline, it's much probable that you don't get COVID at ACON. And this is very important because this discipline that we have experienced and the lessons learned, I mean, will help us to navigate through this second wave, I mean, probably much better because we are not caught by surprise and, and we know what works now and we are confident about this. Evidently, I mean, we, we cannot let our guard down. I think nothing is granted. We are still in this fight for a few months from now, but uh, this is where we are and, and what is the situation. Okay, that's helpful. Um, maybe just switching gears to the margin side, um, you, you called out in the, in the slide deck that civil and, and the transportation margins were lower within the construction business. Just wondering what's behind that and if that's uh, related to some of the headlines we've seen on regards to um, the Eglinton project and the lawsuit there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll be able to see from the numbers that, you know, there wasn't any kind of material uh, shift in margins, um, a little lower than a year ago, but part of that is uh, obviously the impact of, of COVID and lower revenue uh, versus the overhead base. So there's an element of that across each of the sectors. Um, and obviously we look at all our projects every quarter in terms of where they're at and uh, uh, the margin profile on each of those projects and, and adjust them as we need to quarter to quarter, but nothing, uh, nothing of a, a nature that we felt we needed to call out, but uh, nothing particularly unusual in the numbers this quarter. You know, a lot of it is often timing or mix. Um, so it, it was no material change. It was uh, just uh, the normal kind of timing and mix issues and, and looking at the margins across all our jobs. 
Maybe, Yuri, uh, I can add a few words on Eglinton, I mean, because you you asked about it. So uh, Eglinton is a, is a major project, and as all major projects, has its own uh, uh, complexity. We have a, a very strong team uh, working at Eglinton under, under Crosslink. So uh, what has happened during the last uh, few weeks, I mean, everybody knows that this COVID-19 is a, is a global pandemic that is ravaging, I mean, domestic and global economy. Uh, what uh, we have been doing is uh, uh, trying on call to get Metrolinks and Infrastructure Ontario uh, declare an emergency on this job because it has not been done despite the fact that the, the province and the city both declared emergency more than seven months ago. Uh, this declaration of emergency to our contract gives us much more capacity uh, to be compensated and to get relief for time and and cost. So um, construction companies are, are vastly, I mean, code adverse. I mean, we usually uh, try to find resolution of our conflicts through our contracts, but we, we just need fair and reasonable resolution of our problem. I, I remind you that in P3, and Eggington is a P3, uh, the third P is partnership. And uh, we also have done this uh, to defend all our subcontractors and, and, and partners and supply chains who are, who are suffering. This being said, uh, we work extremely hard on, uh, on Eglinton. I mean, uh, each of you can go through, I mean, along the 20 kilometers line and, and uh, you just can see, I mean, that the, that the work is progressing well. It's hard. We were under very stringent safety uh, conditions. We are suffering from a supply chain issue. Uh, I imagine everybody is aware of the, the concrete supply uh, problem in the GTA areas at this, uh, at this moment. But we are uh, strong companies. We are expert in, in, in delivering large, complex projects, and, and, and we, are, we are fighting Every day, uh, every night, we have proposed to uh, our client a stage opening uh, for Eglinton. And, uh, and this is where we are uh, at the moment. I would say uh, business as usual, but major projects have, uh, have their own difficulties. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'll turn it over, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Yuri. Your next question comes from line of Jacob. Of CIBC. Your line is open. Good morning. Morning. Morning, Jacob. I wanted to pick up on the uh, the margin question. Um, maybe talk a bit about the impact of, of nuclear on, on margins in the quarter and um, what kind of uh, improvement you know are you expecting in, in the fourth quarter into and into spring next year? So I think. Um, uh, obviously, we had uh, uh, a big drop in our nuclear revenue in Q3 versus a year ago, um, which impacts the, the mix. I think it won't be back at full run rate in, in Q4. It will take us a quarter or so to, uh, to get back to the kind of volumes we saw through 2019 when we were working uh, full out on the uh, first unit to be refurbished. So it, it will start to move um, uh, back in the right direction through Q4, and we'll be uh, uh, pretty much uh, 
full pace in, in 2021. Um, there's always margin mix impacts, uh, not just uh, not just nuclear, but um, that clearly is uh, one of the areas that um, we generally have a positive impact. And, and with that not being in, in Q3, uh, uh, had the opposite impact this quarter, but I mean we never talk about specific margins in uh, in 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 our operations. But I think everybody knows that's one that normally has positive impact that was missing in Q3. Okay. Maybe I I can add a few uh, operational uh, look at our jobs. I mean in uh, in Darlington um, with OPG, uh, the operation that have now started on the second unit. We need uh, number three, we are well advanced in our defueling activities, more than 1,000 people on site. Uh, it has been delayed, but it's, it's ramping up well. We also work on the turbine generator uh, elements. Uh, in Bruce, we have uh, begun on, on, the, on the first reactor that was uh, shut down with delay, but uh, we enter into the vault of Unit 6 early October. We have more than 900 people working, and we are also working in the steam generator uh, of this uh, reactor. So, yes, it's ramping up uh, with some delay, but but we are well we are well on rail for those big projects. Okay, thank you for that. And then on just a question around the the backlog. There was a, you know a sizable decline in the uh, civil and urban transportation systems. Um, just talk about is this just a timing thing or or um, uh, how should we be thinking about that okay um, I'm comfortable with our backlog I've always said that I'm comfortable between 6.5 and 7 it can even go up to 7.5 billion I think the 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 raw figure as itself I mean is, is not an issue what is extremely important is to is to see that this backlog is very well balanced. It's very important for us uh, to, to win projects where we are confident that our best team can be posted. Uh, it's also uh, good to see that the proportion to be executed within the next two months, I mean, is, is quite strong, which gives a sort of uh, future outlook for 2021, uh, which is interesting. And uh, the quality of the backlog is, is also of utmost importance. As I've already uh, told you, we are extremely disciplined uh, on, on, uh, on uh, our pursuits. Uh, on the way uh, we bid, we, we review all conditions, and, and when we target a job, we know perfectly why we target it and, and what can we do, uh, how can we uh, put in place the best design. How can we integrate perfectly this design with our construction teams? So uh, this is where we are. We are not starving. We have uh, three major jobs of urban transportation system at the moment on the go, which are Eglinton, Finch, and the REM uh, in uh, Montreal. You've probably noticed that uh, CDPQ has announced that there will be follow-up projects after the REM in, uh, in Montreal. Uh, we are uh, quiet, focused on executing our jobs and targeting perfectly the, the jobs of the future. Okay, thank you for that. Your next question comes from the line of Frederick Bastien of Raymond James. Your line is open.
thanks and uh, good morning. Uh, Jean-Louis, I was wondering if you could provide an update. Uh, you did a great job providing updates on um, Eglinton and REM. Uh, wondering if you could switch and move out west and uh, discuss how Site C is progressing. So Site C is also a, a massive, massive job. Uh, I remind you that uh, our job um, is about the, the spillway and the generating station. Uh, it's about uh, building 700,000 cubic meters of concrete. We have ramped up extremely rapidly from the moment uh, Hydro BC shifted the, the partial suspension. We reached a very important milestone, I mean, uh, during the last week, because we have now uh, executed 200,000 cubic from this 700,000 cubic. We are uh, still aiming uh, to deliver this job uh, during the year 2023. We had very um, fruitful discussions and uh, negotiation with IWBC uh, about the consequences, direct and indirect, uh, following the suspension uh, for the COVID-19. I remind you that this is a a camp job, and uh, IWBC have been extremely prudent in, in managing this uh, pandemia. Uh, we are also discussing with them uh, all the means uh, that we can uh, put in place to recover this partial suspension. So, so far, so good on this job. Uh, there have been some uh, some e technical issues. I mean, you, you have read all the articles. They are all related with uh, foundations and geotechnical, which are totally outside uh, our scope of work. Uh, so uh, what I what I would say is that for us on Site C is business as usual. Uh, we are almost uh, at 100% of our, our capacity, and, and, and this is where we are. Thanks, Jean-Louis. Um, I just want to go back and make sure that I'm not misinterpreting the information you provided in respect to, uh, to, to Darlington and the ramp-up of work on the next unit. Delays that are highlighted in the press release and MDNA really go back to the decision taken by your client in the spring, and, and I just want to make sure that's, that's correct and that's not newer or more recent delays that um, are impacting the job. No, it's, it's exactly this. I, I remind you that um, the production of uh, energy is, is an essential service. It's even a super essential service. So both OPG and Bruce, uh, when the pandemia uh, reached Ontario, decided to give the highest priority to the operation of the power plant. Uh, I remind you that uh, when we uh, enter into a reactor, it's more than 1,000 people entering this reactor with, with a risk of infection at a moment where we did not know exactly, I mean, how the COVID could be disseminated, what were the right ways of doing. So they decided to postpone uh, the beginning of uh, either the second unit of Darlington, Unit 3, or the first unit of Bruce uh, to focus on safe operation of the existing power plant. Then once everything, I mean was stabilized, uh, we had the authorization to, to begin, and all these are decisions from the owners. Uh, on, on our way, I mean, we are mobilized on, on both job sites, and, uh, and we are very happy about the way uh, we are running this job at the moment. 
Um, thanks. My last question is on um, potential M&A and how you're looking at the markets right now. Um, you obviously got a good financial position. Things seem to be going in the right direction. So I was wondering if there's opportunities for you to, to, to continue adding sort of this or expanding that uh, service line that you have. I mean, we've seen a few acquisitions in the past year, but um, how, how, you, how are you thinking uh, about M&A right now? Okay, so uh, you you can imagine that uh, during the last months, I mean the 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 focus of uh, of the management of this company um, was on protecting our people, communicating efficiently. I mean, on uh, with them under I would say global uncertainty about uh, ensuring the continuity of work, and this is what we have done. And I'm uh, very happy about the way Acon has reacted. Uh, of course, I mean, uh, M&A uh, is an important topic for us. We have the capacity, uh, as you have seen with our financial strength. Uh, we, are, we are looking every day at uh, new possibilities of uh, tucking uh, acquisitions. Uh, we are active on this, but uh, so far, I mean, there is nothing we can specifically disclose at this stage. Thanks, that's all I have. Very good result. Your next question comes from the line of Benoit Poyer of Desjardins Capital. Your line is open. Yes, thank you very much. Um, and uh, congratulations for the results. Just looking at Bermuda Airport, w would it be possible to, to, to provide some color about uh, the transition to the new terminal in December, whether it will bring uh, incremental costs, and how should we be looking uh, at the EBITDA contribution of, of Bermuda as we look through uh, Q4 and 2021? Yeah, hi, Benoit. So, um, yeah, no significant change in cost base from one terminal to the other. Um, personnel numbers and those kind of things don't, uh, don't really change. Um, obviously, uh, as we uh, look forward in terms of uh, uh, the profitability of the airport, it's, it's all going to be driven by uh, air traffic and uh, recovery. Um, we are seeing steady improvement uh, month to month um, since the airport reopened in July. Um, and it, it looks like, uh, based on October, that, that that's continuing, uh, albeit still at low levels compared to uh, what we would uh, see as normal uh, traffic. Very hard to predict uh, how that's going to unfold as we go through the winter and uh, into next year. I would say that the, the one positive is the winter is normally the slowest period anyway for traffic in and out of Bermuda. Um, and so, you know, we'll we'll have to see how it ramps up again in the spring when it starts to get more into uh, the busier time of the year. And uh, hopefully, with uh, uh, developments on the vaccine side and things like that, that uh, hopefully we see a, a good uh, recovery in, in 2021. But until we get through the winter and how the uh, uh, pandemic evolves and vaccines and things like that. Very hard to predict uh, what 2021 will look like at this point. Other than to say things are gradually improving, 
Bermuda's reputation, I would say, is second to none in terms of the uh, safety of the island. Uh, it's effectively a COVID-free island today. They have very stringent protocols in terms of all people coming into the island, in terms of testing and things like that. So, uh, so far, so good, uh, but, but still uncertainty out there around what next year looks like. Okay, that, that's great. And with respect to bidding pipeline, obviously a project pursuits over 40 billion, very robust. Uh, we saw also the uh, the three-year infrastructure plan that uh, was given by or updated by the Canada Infrastructure Ban, uh, Bank not too long ago. So are there any projects that we should be watching uh, in the near term? And in terms of awards, is the COVID-19 uh, creating some delays in terms of awarding those big uh, pursuits? Um, so, first of all, uh, Benoit, what is worth to be noted is that none of our projects in our backlog uh, has been cancelled for COVID reasons. I mean, the life goes on. We are essential services. Uh, half a million of newcomers arrive into Canada every year. They need infrastructure. We are a builder of infrastructure. Uh, second point, yes, the pipeline is strong. And I'm not anxious about our future activity. Uh, I'm very much focused on targeting the right projects and winning them with the right margin. So. Uh, we we have been pre-qualified on a, on, on a few projects, for example, uh, Eglinton West Tunnel, uh, Scarborough uh, Tunnel Prolongation, both in uh, in Toronto. Uh, we have uh, issued a pre-qualification document for Ontario Line to main job, which are the stations and the tunnel within uh, Toronto downtown, very similar to Eglinton. Uh, but also uh, rolling stock and uh, signaling for the Ontario line. Uh, if we want to speak about Quebec, because Quebec is going to be very active in terms of new projects. We have been pre-qualified on the Quebec LRT scheme. Uh, we have issued two pre-qualification documents for the two harbors. I mean, the Laurentia Harbor in Quebec and, uh, and um, the second one in uh, uh, in uh, Montreal, Contrecoeur. Uh, but we are also, I mean, preparing ourselves for the Viaduc de l'Ile d'Orléans, for uh, Pont de l'Ile aux Tourtes, for the third link. I mean, in, uh, in Quebec, it's for Via Rail projects where we have been pre qualified both in, uh, for their uh, facilities in Montreal and in, uh, and in Toronto. Uh, in the West, I mean, uh, a few LRT are coming. Uh, we are pre-qualified on Calgary Green Line. Uh, we will follow uh, very uh, focusing. I mean, uh, the Surrey uh, prolongation uh, in Vancouver, maybe the, the Robert Bank when it's when it's coming out, plus uh, plus a few other projects. So, um, not that much of issues. We just have to select the best project for us where our teams can perform the best. We have to select the best engineering company, uh, the best partners, and, uh, and just proceed forward.
That's great caller, Jean-Louis. And David, just looking at accounts receivable and accounts payable, there was a sequential jump uh, on your balance sheet. But anything to point it out, or it's mostly related to typical seasonality and driven by uh, higher revenues? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Um, It it really is uh, the seasonal high point um, at the end of Q3. Uh, for working capital uh, starts to unwind through Q4 uh, and through Q1. So um, expect that to be the the same pattern this year. And um, so far, it's very much in line with what we would normally expect to see from a seasonality perspective. Okay. Thank you very much for the time. Your next question comes from Sabat Khan of RBC Capital. Your line is open. Thanks, and good morning. Um, just on the, the planned opening of the new terminal at Bermuda, like I guess there isn't a way to really partially open an airport, but is there any way you're thinking about maybe you know, opening with maybe lower fixed costs, lower personnel, just given the current activity levels, or is that an option maybe not on the table given it is an airport? We, we basically, I mean, do not work with a, with a, with a plan B that would be a, a soft opening. We are we got substantial com- completion on all our construction activities, uh, both civil and all systems, uh, on the 26th of September. We are aiming to open the airport on the 9th of December. I mean, uh, an airport is uh, terminal is either open or, or closed, so it will be open with all its facilities. I just remind you, it is a state-of-the-art uh, airport terminal. Uh, I would say a very much advanced in, in all touch-free uh, systems and subsystems about e-gate. Uh, it's, it's a very modern terminal. It's uh, with pre-clearance to the United States. So uh, we will open it with, uh, with its uh, capacity. We can see that the traffic is ramping up. I mean, uh, from the month of June, that was at zero. Uh, in October, we should be around 23% in front of last year. And this is ramping up. So we are, we are ready to go. Okay, and then given that it is, I guess, a near terminal, how would you compare the fixed cost base to operate this terminal versus the older one? It's very similar, Saba. I mean, it's essentially um, dealing with uh, the same same number of, you know, when, when it's at full capacity, the same number of flights, same number of passengers, same processes. Uh, it's the same mix of our staff versus the staff of the airlines and, and the functions that they perform. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's very similar. I mean, you're talking about essentially just moving from one building to another primarily. Um, obviously, uh, a lot more to this terminal in terms of subconcessions and retail and food and beverage and those kind of things, but they're all staffed by the subconcessionaires, the uh, the retailers, and the uh, uh, franchisees of the the restaurants, not not our staff. So uh, it's it's very comparable. Okay, thanks. And then you, know, you provided some good color on the projects that you're in the process for. I guess are you noticing a different change in pace with some of the recent infrastructure announcements? You know, we're seeing headlines around at least the government of Ontario trying to accelerate projects through the pipeline. But, 
you know, do you think some of those dollars start to show up in your backlog, you know, through 2021? Or, you know, I'm just wondering if there's a more accelerated pace of projects moving through the pipeline given the need for economic stimulus uh, across Canada. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely there has not been a halt or a decrease. I mean, in uh, in the announcement, we can see uh, in Ontario, for example, or, or in Quebec, uh, even a sort of acceleration of new projects coming and uh, uh, time for RFQ and expected time for RFP have been uh, reduced. We just mean that uh, all our clients are eager to proceed with those works. I mean, evidently, as the recent uh, provincial election in BC have a little slowed down the announcement, but a, a lot of uh, future projects are, are ready, ready to go. So we are we are not that much worried about this. Okay, great, thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Mona Nazir of Laurentian Bank. Your line is open. Good morning, and thank you for taking my questions. Um, so just to follow up on the last uh, line of questioning in regard to government infrastructure stimulus and the recent announcements from the Infrastructure Bank and the various provinces that you did touch on, um, I know you don't give guidance, but how do you think that that may flow into the growth for next year? Do you think that it would be you know, similar to current construction growth or it could be ahead? Okay. Uh Mainly, the year 2021 will be done with what we have in our backlog at the moment. Uh, evidently, uh, we just can see that infrastructure is, is part of the stimulus uh, plan. Uh, as I, we have always said, I mean, uh, declaring a stimulus on Friday and having show already projects on Saturday and uh, big start of the work on Monday, I mean, is not feasible in infrastructure. There is a long lead of three activities before beginning, but uh, the will is definitely here. You probably have noticed that the new CEO of CIB has been nominated uh, officially yesterday. Uh, so uh, we, we just feel that in addition to what we have in our backlog, and which is strong for 2021, I mean, other projects will uh, will come and, and, and will supplement our $6.7 billion that we have at the moment in our backpack. Just to uh, uh, point to a, a couple of metrics as well over and above that, um, if you look at uh, our current backlog and the duration of that backlog, if you look at work to be performed over the next 12 months, um, we're currently sitting at $2.9 billion of backlog versus a year ago where work over the next 12 months was uh, just under 2.5. So it's about a 17% increase in that next 12-month backlog versus where we were a year ago. And then you layer on top of that 2.9, uh, you know, roughly $500 million plus of recurring revenue every year uh, that's not in that backlog. And then the work that we win through the course of a year uh, that we also perform in the year, and that would be a lot of our kind of seasonal transportation, road building type uh, businesses, uh, which, uh, as we know, in Q3 saw good revenue growth this year versus a year ago. And we expect those transportation and road building businesses to be strong next year uh, based on the fact that that's the quickest way for governments to 
um, put dollars to work in terms of infrastructure stimulus. There's a lot less design and engineering involved, and it's it's really a question of funding the budgets of the various provincial transportation authorities, which is uh, what each of the provinces has been have been announcing in the last couple of months. So, so when you put all that together. Um, you know, we feel pretty good about uh, the revenue profile for next year and, and how we uh, how we sit today going into uh, 2021. Perfect. That's really appreciated. Um, <clears throat> secondly, just in regard to the COVID-related costs that you've incurred so far, we've seen the largest impacts in Q2 of just under $35 million and Q3 had about $31 million. I'm just wondering how should we kind of think about these costs going forward um, for Q4, even into next year? Do you think there will be uh, a more kind of drastic fall-off or would it be kind of similar? Yeah, so evidently... Um from some of the projects we talked about today, we expect that COVID-19 impact that co uh, impact to uh, moderate somewhat in the fourth quarter. Uh, as Jean-Louis talked to, the nuclear operations uh, and air ramping up uh, rapidly. Uh, Site C is back at, uh, at full uh, full run rate, uh, as opposed to where those two were at in uh, in the third quarter, um, and so. Barring any uh, unforeseen developments at this point, we do expect that COVID impact to be moderating in Q4 and into uh, and during 2021. Uh, the only uh, area that will continue to be more significantly impacted uh, uh, from COVID is, is Bermuda, but as I mentioned earlier, that's also moving in the right direction in terms of uh, traffic um, and so as long as that continues the impact on concessions should also be uh, moderating as we move forward okay and just lastly for me um, and turning to the Bermuda Airport I understand that the airport was open as of July the new terminal is targeted for early December um, but just looking at the aviation and market uh, the IATA outlook for 2020 is quite dismal as you, I'm sure you've seen uh, traffic supposed to be down 65% year over year and even 2021 recently was released and revenues are still supposed to be half of 2019 I'm just wondering given your comments surrounding Bermuda and the unique that it offers. Do you think that performance can ultimately vary from the overall industry outlook? And then just as a follow-up, if the rebound is lower than you expect, is there any further thought to bringing on a partner? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously Bermuda uh, will be um, – uh, not dissimilar to what other uh, airports around the world experience. I, uh, uh, I expect there'll be some impacted more than others, depending on where they are. We, we actually think Bermuda will outperform the average, uh, but how much variation there is from the average uh, remains to be seen. Uh, we're certainly not... Um, uh, I think being uh, uh, overly bullish in terms of Bermuda, in terms of uh, how it will fare relative to anywhere else. But, but there are certain features of being an island airport that, that are definitely positive. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, the fact that there is no COVID on the island of Bermuda 
and the uh, um, protocols they have going in and out. And relative to other Caribbean islands, for example, it's nowhere near as tourism-driven um, as some of those other islands. So, so we think Bermuda should perform well relatively. Um, and we look at all the forecasts uh, that, that are coming out. Um, uh, but we, we don't disagree that, you know, the numbers you quote um, are probably fairly realistic for the overall airline industry in, in 2021. But uh, it's going to depend a lot on vaccines and uh, things like that. Perfect. That's very helpful. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Chris Murray of ATD Capital. Your line is open. Thanks, guys. Good morning. So, Dave, just maybe a couple more questions around um, Bermuda. So, fair to think that um, now that you've now that you've hit substantial completion, um, construction revenues are basically done at this point. Um, is that fair to think? Yes, that's right. Okay, great. Um, and so, if we think about the concessions business as a whole, especially as we go into 21, I, I mean, certainly the puts and takes will be you know, how Bermuda uh, moves around. But, but when I think about the rest of your concessions, is there anything that we should be thinking about in terms of um, either earnings or, or revenue um, with stage of completion or, or even some asset recycling um, into 2021? Yeah, so good question. I, I mean, the Canadian concessions uh, should be very stable in 2020 relative, to, uh, sorry, 2021 relative to 2020. Um, if you think about uh, the stage of those concessions, they're still pretty much in the construction phase and will be throughout 2021. So we don't expect to see really any change in the profile from the Canadian concessions. Okay, uh, in terms of asset recycling, I mean, again, that wouldn't happen during construction. And uh, um, with respect to Bermuda, and this, this also answers the, the second part of Mona's uh, question, um, there is no, uh, no plan to, to do anything different with Bermuda right now. The, the focus is really around opening the new airport um, and... Uh, navigating through uh, the pandemic and, and, and making sure that uh, air traffic uh, gets back to normal and, and that airport is uh, a smooth and efficient running operation. Okay, fair enough. And then um, just thinking about Q4 and the Q's payments, um, you know, I think you've mentioned in, in some of your commentary that you've, you've applied um, for the program. You know, I, you know, I think it's fair, you know, that the, that the payments maybe um, – is it fair to think that they'll tail off as you expected the the COVID the COVID impact might, might also tail off into Q4, but how do we think about um, the impact on cash flow in Q4 um, and any additional payments as we go forward with the, at least the way you guys are seeing the program now? Yeah, so we, it, it, you're right. We do expect to see it uh, tail off uh, somewhat in uh, in Q4, and, and obviously the program is being extended out to the summer of next year. Um, and the, the details around what the program will look like next year haven't been 100% uh, defined at this point, but we do expect the run rate certainly to, uh, to tail off um, as we go forward. The, um, 
in terms of the cash flow, we expect Q4 uh, to receive another uh, approximately 40 million uh, from the uh, applications we've already made through to the end of September. Uh, any further applications will likely be um, Q1 cash flow um, based on timing of when we would expect to uh, to file those. Okay, fair enough. All right, thanks, folks. Thanks, Chris. Again, if you'd like to ask a question over the phone lines, please press star, then one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Michael Tufel of TD Securities. Your line is open. Uh, thanks very much. Good morning. 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 Um, yeah, my first question is just regarding nuclear, and I apologize if you've covered this already, but um, I was just hoping you could comment on how we should be thinking about the nuclear business in 2021 with projects now ramping back up here in the fourth quarter um, on a year-over-year basis, 2021 versus 2020, because you were impacted in 2020 by the fact that there were some delays. So just trying to get some sense for you know, the, the, the way we should think about that ramp-up and year-over-year -year comparisons. Okay. Uh, obviously, 2021 uh, will be a strong year for uh, our nuclear business. Uh, we have, for the first time, two units uh, under construction. I mean, one unit at Darlington and uh, one unit at Bruce. We are not only working on the reactor itself, but we also work on the turbine in Darlington and on the steam generator uh, at Bruce. So it's definitely going to be stronger. 2020 was a sort of transition year, plus the COVID uh, impact. Uh, this being said, I mean, we, we are preparing, I mean, uh, uh, beyond the refurbishment of these units, what, what, what can be the future of nuclear? Uh, it's about uh, waste treatment. You can imagine that all those refurbishments are creating a lot of metal waste. And, and this needs to be treated and needs to be stored. Uh, it's about beginning to prepare the dismantling of uh, Pickering, for example. And it's about uh, SMR, uh, the small modular reactor. You, you have seen that Canada and Ontario have taken quite a proactive stance, I mean, uh, uh, for this uh, new line of business. Uh, and, and we are well ahead in our partnerships and in our, in our preparation for, for those although they would not, of course, materialize during the year 2021. Okay, thanks for that. Um, and then my second question um, is really about the, the, the pipe, the bid pipeline and the outlook, and you, you provided a lot of good commentary and detail there already, Jean-Louis, in terms of some of the large projects you're pursuing. I guess just sort of a couple part question here. First off, um, can you just talk about how you feel about the, the bid pipeline today relative to the way you would have felt uh, a quarter ago when, when you did your August call at the time of the Q2 results? I don't know if there's much difference there. And then secondly, um, I'm just wondering if, you know, if there are any parts of the business that, that are important to, to ACON in terms of sectors that you are seeing any notable weakness in right now due to, due to COVID. Um, if there's anything there that's that's all concerning to you in terms of the, the project opportunity set, there, there is no big difference. I mean, uh, between today and our last call, I mean, end of July uh, of this year, uh, we were not anxious. We are we are not anxious. Uh, 
in addition, I mean, to the major projects I've been uh, telling you about, I mean, we, we are pursuing a, uh, a lot of projects, uh, medium size or even small size. I mean, uh, for example, our utilities uh, business is going quite well. Uh, we work a lot uh, in telecommunication. We are strong there with uh, with Bell and Telus. Uh, you know that this all this social distancing and uh, the new the new normal just uh, imposed to have much more uh, capacity for uh, for all those uh, internets and, and data. So we are we are on it. We are working a lot for uh, for Enbridge. Uh, I remind you, for example, that the CID has announced in October something like two billion for broadband in uh, in unserved communities. So we are following this job. Uh, district energy, geothermal, uh, renewable power. I mean, uh, even for those jobs which are not the mega projects, which are uh, small or medium jobs, I think we are very much positioned. So uh, we are organized under construction uh, with six sectors. They are very well balanced, and it's very important for us, for our resilience. And uh, we, we just cannot see, I mean, any, any real issues uh, with our different business lines. I mean, they are all... Uh, in looking to the future with uh, with optimism. Perfect, thank you. And then just one one last one. Um, just a question, I guess, about the competitive landscape and and whether or not you've seen any changes there in the last quarter. And I realize in some of the large infrastructure projects, there are only so many firms capable of pursuing those kinds of projects, and so maybe maybe those are a little more insulated. But but just generally speaking. Um, have you seen any any uh, changes in the competitive landscape in terms of heightened competitive pressures? Not that much. I remind you that uh, most of the big projects uh, go through a pre-qualification phase, where the our owners usually pre-qualify three group. Uh, what is very important for us is that progressing. I mean, uh, our strengths and our professionalism we can, in advance to those uh, bidding process, assemble the best group. I mean, uh, the best foreign partner when it is necessary, the best engineering companies, uh, and this is what is in, important. I, I think we are progressing uh, quite well. Uh, uh, our professionalism and the professionalism of, of all the layers in, 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 in Acon uh, is one of my most important point of focus. Uh, and uh, this is much more important for me uh, in terms of knowing uh, how it's going to be the future than a, a real uh, change in the competitiveness of the, of, of the market. I mean, things remain more or less uh, equal. The difference is that we are and we have to be better and better every day in, in the act of, uh, of building. I mean, we, we are builders. We have to build better than any other company and this is why we are working hard thank you for that Charlie. there are no further questions at this time i turn the call back over to the speakers thanks very much ian and uh appreciate everyone's time today if you have any questions always feel free to follow up um and if we don't speak uh we will be back online after our q4 results in the new year have a great uh, and safe day and we'll speak with you all soon thanks this concludes today's conference call you may now disconnect
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.